Did you ever think you were made it? I feel I'm so close, I could taste sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value taming, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to haters. Now they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. I'm Patrick Bedivy, host of Item, and today we're going to talk about 10 industries crushed by coronavirus. But before I go into that, I want to give you some good news. Check this out. According to CNBC, U.S. savings rate hits record 33% as coronavirus causes Americans to stockpile cash and curb spending. Look what Bank of America says here at the bottom. Bank of America says somewhere here, here we go. Bank of America, which touches half Americans' households, said checking accounts have 30 to 40% more money in them compared to 12 weeks ago. CEO, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so now, let me give you another data here to look at when it comes down to savings. Watch this. You'll be blown away by this. This is the savings rate since 1960. America, on average, we were saving 10%. Then we went up to somewhere around 17.5% in 1978. Then it went down and down and down and our habits didn't get too good. In about 30, 40 years, we were saving somewhere around 5%. It hit a low of 2.5% in 2006, 2007. And then look, boom, 33%. So now what does this tell you? It tells you we used to be savers. Then we became spenders because of a lot of TV, marketing, and hey, let's buy luxury, 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 and then boom, oh my gosh, it's not really all about luxury. Maybe, just maybe, cash is king. Maybe we need more cash, you know, in the bank. We, maybe we need more cash in case a crisis takes place, and people are right now sitting there saying, you know what? I hope they're thinking about the same. If I can save 33% during these times, let's just say I go back to regular life. What was I spending money on that I don't need to spend money on? What was I buying that I don't need to be buying? What was I purchasing that I can set aside for now? And what if maybe I can't be at 33% when I get back to normal life, but maybe I can figure out a way to hit that 15% marker. Because if you hit the 15% marker of saving your salary, you're on your way to creating wealth. Now, that's not even one of the 10 issues I wanted to talk to you about. It's just something that came up that's good news that we're saving money. So let's get into some of these industries. First things first is the airline industry. The airline industry employs 10.6 million people, but you're also seeing the fact that airlines and TSA report 96% drop in air travel as pandemic continues. We've looked at the TSA numbers to show that we used to get you know, 2.2 million flights a day, you know, 2.5 million, 2.6 million flights a day. This is last year, same time a year ago, meaning 2019. And we went all the way down, I think April 17th or so. What is the date? April, right here, April 14th. We were averaging only 87,000 flights a day, uh, travelers a day. And today, the travelers went up Memorial Day and it kind of picked up to 348, 318, 340, 321, which means we're traveling a little bit more. That's good news. Now, let's look at the airline industry, why these guys got hit hard by the pandemic. Most people don't realize the airline industry's margins are only 3.26%. I know it's small and you may not be able to see it. Their cost and expense is 96.74%. They barely make any money. Let me explain to you what this means. Here's what this means. You know how companies who sell software and you, for instance, do 20 million a year, but the 20 million a year you do 70% as profits. You're really doing what? 14 million a year versus another company that does 200 million a year, 
but their profits was only 5%, they're making only 10 million a year. So, so the company that's doing 20 million profits more than a company doing 200 million because of what they're profiting, not what their revenues are, right? 20 million revenue, 60, 70% profits, 12 million, 200 million revenue, 5% profits is 10 million. It's not about revenue, it's about profits. And the airline industry's profit net margin is 3.26%. This is why, you know, the airline industries has histor historically been the sexy industry. Let me go create my own airline. And most people don't realize there's 27,000 commercial jet aircraft valued at $696 billion, of which, of which these airlines, 13,300 commercial jets valued at $331 billion are owned by operating lessers, meaning they're being leased. They're not owned. So these airlines like Virgin Airlines, you're thinking, oh, must be like a $20 billion company. It only sold for $2.6 billion. $2.6 billion, Alaska Air Group bought it for two point, that's Virgin, you know Virgin, the nice, sexy airline that Richard Branson starts, and you know, you've been on it before, the pink lights and the music that they play. It's not that big of an industry and they got exposed. The airline industry is taking a very big hit because people are starting to realize you cannot go into an industry just to be able to say, hey, I'm gonna start my own airline. But David Airlines, why? Because it's such bragging rights. You can go do it, it's a leasing business, it's not a big deal, but it's not as sexy as profitable as people think it is. People are starting to pay attention to numbers they didn't pay attention to before. Next number I wanna look at, here's the following. Watch this, Amazon, again, is capitalizing and the word I don't want to use, but similar to it, they're exploiting this opportunity. They are looking at buying AMC Theater. AMC stock just jumped up just this last week, May 27th. Why is an Amazon merger now off the table? Is Amazon wanting to buy it? Why Amazon gobbling up AMC theaters doesn't make any sense. This is an article by Observer. What do you mean it doesn't make any sense? Let me explain to you guys. Let's just say you're Jeff Bezos and you're Amazon. Who are you competing against? Everybody. Facebook, Netflix, Amazon, Google. You're, you're competing with all of these guys. Why, why is there so much power for him to pick up an AMC? Who cares if he picks up AMC? It's, it's, it's only like, uh, what is it? It's a company that got started January 1st, uh, I believe 1920. Let's look at their Wikipedia. Watch this, January 1st. Uh, 1920, let me go back to this. Come on, AMC Wikipedia, where you at? AMC Wikipedia, check this out. Okay, AMC, they got started when? Come closer, come closer. Yeah, January 1st, 1920, I was right, 100 years ago. And I have how many theaters? 1,006 theaters, 11,000 screenings, okay? Now watch this. Why would Amazon be interested in buying 1,000 theaters? Here's why they would be interested in buying 1,000 theaters. You know what they get to do? they get to dictate and control a part of Hollywood. Why? We're not gonna play your movie unless if you do this. This is a form of control. I know AMC's in debt $4.9 billion, but if Amazon owns them and they own Prime, they are starting to kind of figure out a way to control a part of Hollywood. And, and in a way compete with Netflix, because Netflix doesn't have that. So it's a very interesting move these guys are making. Nothing Amazon do does is accidental. The whole book I'm writing, Your Next Five Moves, that it's about being methodical. These guys don't do stuff that's winging it. They're being methodical. So it's gonna be interesting to see what the entertainment industry's gonna do, especially with this uh, purchase by Amazon. Now let's look at the uh, fitness industry. CNN Business, 
$94 billion fitness industry is reinventing itself as COVID-19 spreads. What does this mean? 24-hour fitness prepares for bankruptcy while gyms start to open. By the way, this is just from yesterday. 24-hour fitness file in bankruptcy. Planet Fitness competitor Gold's Gym files bankruptcy. So now Gold's Gym is now filing bankruptcy. LA Fitness is kind of looking at it, but look what business is blowing up. Peloton could emerge much stronger after coronavirus shutdown and analysts say, coronavirus, Peloton? Who is Peloton? Which one of you guys has Peloton yourself in your house? I know I do, now watch the stock here, Peloton. Last six months, Peloton was doing okay. Matter of fact, they were even going down a little bit. All of a sudden, boom, coronavirus comes, they go up. Why? People are not buying Pelotons. This is something you can do from home. You can still do classes. You can still do spinning. You don't need to have a gym membership. Why not just go buy one for $3,000? So the fitness industry is about to go in a completely different direction because especially for those that innovate and pivot, if they don't, they're going to take a massive hit. The old model of gyms, I just don't see that thing. Uh, uh, I think they have to definitely realize if they go the way it is and say, well, you know, things are going to go back to normal. I wouldn't invest. I used to work at Bally Total Fitness and Bally Total Fitness eventually filed bankruptcy. You don't want to be part of an industry that's going to do well for 8, 9, 12, 15 years. And then one event every 15, 20 years can take these guys out. If I'm going into the gym business, I'm changing it up. And I'm, it's going to be interesting to see how they do it. Now, here's the next one. Watch this. Hotel. Hotel industry. Here's some scary stats. The impact to travel industry is nine times worse than 9-11. Look at hotel occupancy rates. 2011, 58%, 60%, 61, 62, 64. This means 64% of all the hotel rooms were being occupied in 14. Then 65, 65, 65, boom, 38%. Nearly 50% revenue decline in 20, 2020. That's $124 billion lost off the 270 billion total Oxford economics. Eight in 10 hotel rooms are empty right now. 2020 is projected to be the worst in the record of hotel occupancy, worst year ever. Think about that, ever. Forecasted occupancy rate for 2020, worse than 1933 Great Depression. Let me read that to you one more time. Forecasted occupancy rate for 2020, worse than 1933 Great Depression. And this is leading to 70% hotel employees have been laid off. It's a scary thought. Nearly 1.6 million hotel employees out of work and $2.4 billion in weekly lost wages. This is hotel. What are they going to be doing? How are they going to be pivoting? How are they going to be making adjustments? What's going to happen to some of these big uh, hotels that you and I are accustomed to going, whether it's the Marriott's of the world or Hilton's of the world or some of these other names, the Ritz's, the Four Seasons. What are they going to be doing? How are they going to be adjusting? I'm, I'm in the event. I was about to do a big event with uh, MGM for $7 million, contracts, everything signed. And we're going through this process and we're going to have to adjust. We're looking at things in a different way. Why? Because that's the direction they're going. So hotels have to sit there and figure right away. I think Vegas is getting ready to open up this week. I was talking to some of the executives at MGM telling me where they're at and what it's like. It's ghost town right now. But Vegas has been shut down because of this business, the entertainment business. So it's going to be very, very critical to see how they adjust. Next, Airbnb. You got Airbnb, uh, 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 Red Fence, your vacation rental, uh, vacation real estate markets are toast because of the pandemic as Airbnb owners rush to offload their homes. Airbnb owners rush to offload their homes. So 
Airbnb hosts are planning to sell off their properties because of the pandemic. That's CNN, completely different article. Airbnb has reportedly dropped its internal valuation to $26 billion as the coronavirus halts worldwide. So the Airbnb model, what are they gonna be doing? You know, when you buy rental properties, oh, I got a rental property, I got a vacation while I'm doing this. Are people gonna go back to buying those properties for the same reasons? I don't know how they're gonna be pivoting. Now, I'm not telling you this is permanently going away. I just don't know how people are gonna be pivoting. Here's another topic that came up because of coronavirus. President Trump, executive order on preventing online censorship. This just happened, by the way. YouTube, here's Elon Musk, just a, just a few weeks ago. Elon Musk blasts YouTube for banning Californian doctors' video that claim physicians are being pressurized into putting coronavirus on death certificates and urged, urged an end to it. Censorship. We, we, we talked about censorship before, but not this much. Watch this one here with a debate. Who's right, Dorsey or Zuck, when it comes down to issues of politics? You know, Trump says right-wing voices are being censored. The data says something else. If you haven't seen this article, you got to look at it. Conservative voices dominate Facebook. Ben Shapiro, number one. Then it's Breitbart. Then it's Liberal. Now this. The Hill. Western Journal. Then it's the Young Turks. Then Blaze. IJR. Washington Examiner. CNN Politics. It's interesting to see some of these things being talked about now. And look at the angle some media companies are taking. This is NBC saying Twitter places warning on Trump post saying tweets glorify violence. And then another one is Trump is at war with the truth, not Twitter coming from CNN. Again, they're taking shots. I mean, if, if there's ever a title that's going to piss off Trump, this is it right here. Trump is at war with the truth, not Twitter, which led to Twitter saying Twitter is not censoring Trump. Trump is censoring Twitter. And then again, it keeps going on. Trump's executive order cracking down on online censorship has nothing to do with free speech. Business insider not defending Trump. And this is what Trump said about Twitter when he was asked about it just yesterday or two days ago. There's nothing I'd rather do than get rid of my whole Twitter account, but I'm able to get to, I guess, 186 million people when you add up all the different accounts and uh, add Facebook and Instagram. It's a lot of people. And that's more than uh, the media companies have, frankly, by a lot. And so if I get a story that's wrong, I can put a uh, social media, I, I don't usually use the word Twitter, I use, I say social media, but I put something out and uh, the next day or the next hour or the next minute, everybody's reading about it. So I'm able to refute fake news and that's very important. So that's his battle right there. Now watch what Zuck says on Fox just a day ago, two days ago, about the role they play in censorship, which is slightly different than the role Twitter is playing because Twitter is saying, no, we can censor if you say the following things, Facebook is saying the following, look at Zuck. Well, let me just be clear about what our roles are. Um, you know, we, I don't think it's appropriate for Facebook to do fact checking, but we do have clear policies. And um, if anyone violates them, you know, whether you're, you know, high you read that one more time. Listen. what our roles are. Um, you know, we, I don't think it's appropriate for Facebook to do fact checking. I don't think it's appropriate for Facebook to do fact checking. Well, I'm going to leave the link below if you want to see it. You know, whether you're you know, a high ranking government official like the president. Yeah, he's talking about if you lead to uh, violence and you want there to be violence, obviously that's something that we will take down. But he's saying we're not doing fact checking. So he's taking a position to say, we're just a platform. You got things that you need to say. We're not a media company. We're just a platform. We're not going to do fact checking. Not everybody's happy about this. So this censorship has created a very interesting topic on both sides where if we're leading to this 
and and Trump is suing these companies or maybe even going after them executive order it's going to be very interesting to see how these companies respond during times like this especially if he gets reelected that's another issue now here's another one political how coronavirus could make people move not move as in let's move let's go move our bodies and work out no no physically move to a different place leave new york leave chicago leave california all this data about people leaving look at this I want you to watch what these some of these folks are saying you from New York and what some people are saying from California. Frustrated Californians move out, say coronavirus pandemic was last straw. Listen to this here. But behind some of the glass in this picture perfect scene, the coronavirus has brought pain and doubt to the American dream. It's hard to, 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 to keep up with the bills right now. Tian Lam, an immigrant from Vietnam. His family arrived with next to nothing 30 years ago, and now this restaurant called Bacon is what they have to show for all of their work. But with his doors still closed, profits have dropped 90%. The family is ready to move to Texas, which is opening up Texas. and already huh. more affordable than California. I blame, the, I blame the states. Yes, I do. He is not alone. Watch up this in the world. Hills, Lauren Different state. prepped this morning for a move to Florida. You don't like California, why? I don't like all the litter, the trash, the homeless. Well, that was before the pandemic. But the pandemic was the last straw because they shuttered businesses, which I believe could be safely open. One business in particular hits close to home. It's her husband's film to digital transfer service. When we asked Mike Pritchard about what role COVID-19 plays in their decision. It's challenging, shall we say. And that from a man who wants to leave California years. despite living 40 years in this state. Can you live better somewhere else? Quite possibly. All this These are reasonable people, by the way. You don't hear them like bashing or anything. They're just people that are small business. So these are not millionaires, billionaires. They're just guys like saying, look, I just can't do this anymore. So the other issue here that's going to be taking place, people are right now talking about the topic of moving more than ever before because they're realizing how much influence the local politicians have over the effects of their businesses, meaning I'm running a small business. A politician can put your business out of business depending on what state you're living in. You better believe people are thinking about that. By the way, this article here on political, it's not just talking about the states. It's talking about Italy. It's talking about Europe. It's talking about countries that are sitting there saying, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Milan, Madrid, Tokyo, all of these places. This is not an America thing. People all over the world are sitting there saying, do I want to build my family, my business in the city, the state, the country I'm living in? And it's something a lot of people are talking about. That's that's part of the pandemic. It's explosive. Here's another one. Big Pharma. The coronavirus outbreak exposed the U.S. pharma supply chain, which what does this really mean? COVID-19 has exposed the limits of pharmaceutical market model. Okay, let's can we go a little bit deeper than that? Look, look at some data right here as you go down. Uh, antibiotics, okay. And U.S. user insurance asked during a Fox News motion, long gone for pharmaceutical manufacturers are 94% of antibiotics of this country. That's not the data I want to show you. There's one right all the way on the bottom. Here you go. Okay. The Japanese government has taken action. The government of Prime Minister Shinzo uh, uh, announced April 7 that it would provide $2 billion in subsidies to help the Japanese companies move their supply chains back to Japan from where, obviously, China. On May 12, the government announced that it has begun to work with more than 400 domestic firms to bolster production at home. Generic drugs are among the most vulnerable fields. Nearly half of Japan's API, API stands for... Uh, active pharmaceutical ingredient. That's what API means, not API, the other API. Active pharmaceutical ingredients. So again, nearly half of Japan's APIs come from China and South Korea. In addition, 70 to 80% of masks come from where? 
China. And most countries don't trust China anymore. In Europe, French President Emmanuel Macron, uh, Macron, Macron said, uh, promised full dependence by the end of the year in the production of protective face masks for France. I don't want to do business with China. In U.S., the number at the bottom, if I can find it, I remember it saying 13%. Uh, Kai, do you see the 13% number? 70%, 13%. Oh, uh, let me go here. Let me go here. 72%. FDA currently has no clear data to track the amount of medicine imported by the U.S. Instead, it has only data on the location of the factors that produce those drugs. According to its data, 72% of the API, which is the drugs, manufacturers supply the U.S. market or located overseas. Read the sentence again. 72% of the API, API stands for active pharmaceutical ingredients, API manufacturers supplying the U.S. market are overseas. 13% of those manufacturers operate inside China. So this is, this is quite scary because let me get this straight. All these pharma companies in U.S. are sitting around saying, we're building in China and U.S., you, myself, family, my dad gets medicine that he needs. He's 78 years old. He had a heart attack when he was 50-something and he's still around. What's going on? It's because the right medicine he's taking. If China decides to have a trade war issue with U.S. and they leverage their pharma, this could get pretty ugly very quickly for baby boomers and elderly folks. So the pandemic exposed the fact that we cannot have 73% of our APIs coming from you know markets outside of US, that's a scary thought to be 72%. Well, that's gonna be a big opportunity today for pharmaceutical companies to say, we are made in USA. If the word made in USA has ever had more weight than today, I, I can't even tell you when. We buy stuff, nobody looks at it and says, oh, made in China, oh, made in China. Today, it's more important to say made in USA. Matter of fact, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, running your own company, It'd be such a big selling point for you to say 100% of our products are made in the USA. That's a very important factor to consumers today. Again, exposed due to the pandemic. Let's keep going with another industry here. Here's the next one. Sports, entertainment. Sudden vanishing of sports due to coronavirus will cost at least $12 billion. This is at least $12 billion. This is coming May 1st. Now watch this. So... You know, Rob Manfred, who is the commissioner of Major League Baseball, as if he wasn't already the most hated commissioner in sports with what he did with Houston Astros. And yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. What's the big deal about the trophy and all this stuff? You know, many will call him one of the worst commissioners of all time in the history of sports, let alone baseball. Here's what they propose. MLB offers players sliding pay scale to return to uh, play proposal. And here's what the numbers are. If you were making a four-year contract of 563, they're proposing you go to 262. If you were making 5 million year contract, they want you to go to 1.64 million. If you were making 20 million, they want it to be 5.15 million. If you were making 35 million, they want you to only take 7.84 million. Now, this is the proposal that baseball made. Now, logically, it makes sense because baseball is probably not going to get the money, but if they're getting the money, they have to pay for it. Even Tom Glavin, who's a pretty respected guy, he and another uh, 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 former baseball player, where is it here? So, you know, you have to understand it. Okay, here we go. Here's what they say on Twitch. Uh, uh, no, I want to read the one with Glavin. This is the one with Glavin. Okay, Glavin and Chipper Jones, two of the best players that they had on Atlanta Braves years ago. You know, the 30 million people in America that are out of work right now, they don't want to hear about millionaire baseball players bitching because they're only getting paid 25 or 30% of their salary this year. They don't want to hear that. So I thought Snell's comments could have been worded a little differently. I haven't heard anything else. 
I sat us down. I can only imagine it's probably a phone call away from Tony Clark and Rob Manfred. So what's the point? There are people right now in baseball that are saying, you know, come back and play for less. And there are people saying, well, wait a minute, why would I come back and play for less? You're making money. Why should I take it? So that's baseball, the hit they're taking. Now, this and many other sports on the kind of hit they're taking because of a pandemic, games, we've seen these before. This is the marathon. Typically in Tokyo, 300,000 runners would show up in 2019. If you look at what that looked like the year before, uh, uh, this is 2019, by the way, versus this year, 2020, they only had 200 runners versus 300,000 runners. So industries are taking a hit, but not all of them. Some of them, it has to do with the leadership. Watch what Dana White just did. Dana White had 249, right? Where Joe Rogan's sitting on one side, where all these guys are sitting on, Cormier sitting on a different side, and they're kind of commentating the fight. Very weird. But uh, 249 UFC generates 700,000 pay-per-views at a price point of 64.99. I'll do the math for you. Watch the numbers here. UFC got a little bit of criticism for it, but watch this. 700 K okay, buys pay-per-view times 64.99 is what? 45.493 million dollars. He paid his fighters uh, a high of 500,000, a low of 12,000. These are the fighters, what they got paid, their salaries. It's roughly three and a half million dollars. All these fighters got paid three and a half million dollars. So three and a half million dollars to pay fighters to make 45 million dollars. Now you gotta rent the space. That was a that's what you call a massive profit margin. And I like how he's doing it, look at this. Here's uh, Dana White just yesterday. <laughs> Test number five. Test number five. Accountability. Here's what I'm doing. I'm taking it serious. I'm not saying it's a hoax, but I'm still running a business. And running a business, boom. See, you, you got to respect the way Dana's leading the UFC organization. And that's one of the reasons why UFC's got that kind of a loyal followers right now. Without anybody being in the audience, Still got 700,000 pay-per-views. So MLB, you know, NBA, NFL, some of you guys got to think about what your game plan is going to be. Now, I know NFL's got a massive, you know, uh, 20-some billion dollar contract with media and all these other things that they sign, but there are different ways to improvise. You're going to have to figure out a way to make it work at a time like this. So that's the entertainment and the sports industry. Let's look at the next one here. I don't know how many more I got left here, but let's look at commercial real estate. These guys are going to take a hit. U.S. commercial real estate uh, braces for defaults as pandemic cuts cash flows. Now, look, it's not just the small companies, by the way. Starbucks asks for a break on rent for the next year. Starbucks. Starbucks pays roughly, what is it, uh, uh, on rent. There was a number up here on what they paid. The company estimated it lost $950 million in, in sales first quarter, uh, a fiscal second quarter due to stores, closures, et cetera, et cetera. And they're not going out there saying, hey, we want you to kind of negotiate with us and we don't feel, oh, here it is. The restaurant company, one of the largest in the country by number of stores, total landlords that starting June 1st, for at least the next 12 months, it will need to change lease terms and base rent. Listen, Starbucks is not asking for 60 day or 30 day. They're asking for 12 months. Now you gotta realize these commercial real estates, if they don't pay their own mortgages, they're gonna go out of business and they're gonna go into default. And Starbucks is a very big customer. By the way, that's not the only people. Landlords, commercial tenants, negotiate rent, breaks amid coronavirus disruption. How struggling businesses can renegotiate rent. This is Harvard Business Review. So th there's gonna be commercial real estate's gonna take a hit. And the other part that a lot of people have right now is, 
companies are worried about, commercial real estate agents specifically, because they're salespeople, commercial real estate agents are very good at saying things like, you know, it's funny, coronavirus has actually shown the value of office and this is why it's booming right now, commercial real estate. That's a salesperson talking. I relate because I know what it is to sell. But the reality behind closed doors, philosophies are changing. People are deciding to work from home. You're seeing Google, Facebook, a lot of these guys saying 50% of our employees can work from home. We don't need that much commercial space. Google was about to buy a bigger project. They put a halt on it. Why? They don't need it. Those big campuses that they were building, they're not looking at it right now. So who takes a hit with that? Possibly commercial real estate. It'll be interesting to see how they pivot. So look, these are 10 issues I had with you that I'm talking to you about. And I just think it's very important for you to look at for yourself because I run a small business. We have fewer than 500 employees. We have 15,000 agents nationwide. We have 130 offices nationwide, nearly half a million square feet of space. And as a business owner, we immediately were affected by coronavirus to see what we had to do. Where are some of the leaks that we had? Where are some of the leaks that we had with issues of hiring, firing, training, you know, technology? We had to adjust from a, you know, go to webinar and WebEx to another platform. We had to figure out a way to tailor all our presentations to be uh, effective on Zoom. We had to get compliance in place to understand what it is to sell products on Zoom. But we ourselves were exposed and tested. And we looked at it and said, oh my gosh, look what's going on over here. But at the same time, we had our biggest profit a month last month, in the month of April. And we have our biggest month revenue, EBITDA, top line uh, policies. Every measurable category possible in the history of the company has been shattered in the month of May. Because if these industries, if these companies, if these businesses, they don't pivot quickly and figure out a way to reposition themselves to assume that something like this is gonna happen again in the next five, 10, 15, 20 years, because the next time a coronavirus comes out, say the president is a Democrat, you know what they're gonna say? If he doesn't shut down, they're gonna say, hey, well, Trump shut down and he did the responsible thing and he shut down at two weeks before, there was no death, there was only one death when Trump shut down and he closed China, he did this and he did that, and this president's being very risky. That president is gonna be forced to shut down and the pressure is gonna to come to them. If it's a Republican president, they're gonna say Trump did it, why aren't you doing it? There's gonna be so much pressure, which means this shutting down game is not a, something that's only gonna happen one time. Expect it to happen a lot of times. You know why? Because even till today, they say what? We don't know when we're gonna get a vaccine. We don't know when we're gonna get a vaccine. We don't know when we're gonna get a vaccine. Uncertainty, uncertainty, uncertainty. So if business models, don't assume that this is gonna happen again in the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years, they are going to be affected in the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. So whatever business you're looking at, you gotta look at your business and say, what can I do to make it pandemic proof? Thanks everybody for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five star, write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bidavid. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care everybody, bye-bye.